Welcome to the Box and Life Podcast, where we talk about everything from happiness to success. From Sunderland, England to Los Angeles, California. Hosted by 2008 Olympic medalist in the red corner, Tony Jeffrey. Hello and welcome to the Box and Life Podcast with me, Tony Jeffries, and co-host Glenn Holmes. Glenn, how's it going? Good, man. Really good. Today is a podcast that I've been looking forward to for a long time. We've got a great guest, director, writer, Mr. Joe Carnahan. Joe, how's it going, mate? Good, Tony. How are you? Good. Joe, for people who don't know who you are, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I, uh, well, I started... Um I started about well. I got my I got my big break uh, with a film I did years ago called Narc, which was at Sundance in 2002, and that was with Ray Liotta, and that was kind of my my uh, my kind of entrance into the business. Directing, no. directing. Where I wrote and directed the script, and I did a very small film prior to that called Blood Guts Bullets and Octane that no one saw that that was in Sundance in 1998. But Narc was my kind of big big coming yeah. out party. And then I did, uh, from there I went on to Mission Impossible 3, which never panned out. Uh, after that, I did a movie called Smoke and Aces, which came out in 2007. Uh, I did The A-Team. I did The Gray with Liam Neeson, both those films with Liam Neeson. Uh, and then I did, uh, I did The Blacklist, the pilot for The Blacklist, worked yeah. on that show. And, uh, yeah, and I've, and I've, uh, that's kind of my thing, writing, directing, producing, but primarily writing and directing. Yeah, that's great. And can you tell us... What actually a director does, because a lot of people listening to this uh, doesn't know what the role of a director is. Um, what a di- well, what I do, what a director does, literally, is put the the puts the you know as the producers as the movie comes together. See, I've been very fortunate because I've 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 directed almost everything that I've written, with the exception of Blacklist Pilot. Right. I didn't write that, so I just directed that. But you put together the visuals and you work with the actors and you basically. Uh, put the shots together that comprise whatever it may be as a TV show, movie, what have you. That that and then that's the finished product. So that's really my responsibility. And you get to sit in one of them really cool, <laughs> one of the high chairs. Right? Yeah, if you yeah. have a bad back. It's perfect. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. Directing one thing, but and now you're writing is another, another completely yeah. different yeah. talent. Yeah, and how, you've wrote how some great stuff like the great. Like the great, how, how how does your mind work? That's what I want to. I really want to get from this podcast. I want right. to get in your head and how, how, do you sit in bed at night thinking about uh, yeah, these you know, mad stories? And well, I think I, th- you know, it's like listen, it's like I guess I don't like I think about stuff all the time, and I always say it's like you know, all my friends have these great hobbies. They can play guitar and do all these cool things. I can't do any of that. I, I really like. I think I was such a when I was a when I was in high school, you know, in, in school in general. I think I was so. Uh, I don't think anybody was betting on me <laughs> at all. Right. I wasn't betting on me. I think it was, you know, my mother always had this really kind of hardcore, you know, work ethic. She had 14 kids in her family, and her whole thing was like, wow. it doesn't matter what, you, you know, you could outwork people. I just, you don't have to be the smartest person. You have to be the most talented person. And I've never thought I was particularly smart or talented, but I thought I could I work my ass off. So, you know, it was really, it was that. And I think I, I always had a good imagination. So I just, you know, at some point, I remember being 19 years old and, you know, get out of high school and my grades were terrible and I couldn't get into college and so on. But I remember telling myself, hey, man, whatever it is you want to do, you better figure it out right now and you better run at that one thing. And so I just started writing, you know, and and 
and it just becomes part of your waking personality. You know what I mean? The, right. the things we think about all the time. It just that just became part of my of my daily process. So it's on something like the gray, my buddy had written this really interesting short story about these guys that crash land in this thing, you know, in this, in the, in the, uh, Alaskan outback. And I just, you know, it's so I just took it from there and, and it took me, I don't know, seven months on and off to write that script. And, uh, and it, what it became, I think too, was like, when people ask me, oh, what is that movie about to you? That movie's about all the fears I have as a man, you know, like right. not being tough enough, not being brave enough, not being courageous enough, not being, you know, not have, not being mentally strong enough, all that stuff. And then my, my, you know, my lack of faith sometimes it's like, I don't know, is there a God? Is there not a God? You know what I mean? Yeah. All the things we kind of think about. So I think, uh, trust me, man, I, I always hear smarter things about the movies after the fact from smarter people. And people tell me stuff like even my wife said to me, she's like, I think the movies, I think they all died in the crash. And all those guys are facets of Liam Neeson's personality. Right. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, I lie when people say it, it's like, it's, I'll take credit for <laughs> yeah, it. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a. It's an ongoing process. Once you've been doing it as long as I have, it's like it's just with you all the time. Yeah. You're always thinking about something, story or whatever. So do you like lie in bed all night think about it and you've got a notepad there and you that's what I'm that's what I visualize and then you're writing shit. You down know what? All I time. I don't do that nearly enough. I should. I think it's just it's with me and it's funny because I know that there's some stuff that I wish I had uh I remember I had a complete outline for a film. Complete outline for a film. And it's so in my head still to this day, I lost the outline. I mean it was like 13, 14 pages. What, what do you gone. mean by the outline? I had every scene written out. Right. And I lost it. And But it's so in my head, that story, that it didn't bother me. Because I'm like, no, no, I still got it. I know yeah. it's there. It's like certain things just kind of are are there. You know so what I mean? It's, all like, like, it's like muscle memory. Yeah. So you're you going to come back to that movie? I hope so, man. Mission Impossible 3, you said there that you... That you that was a, a movie for you, but you never end up directing. Can we yeah. get in? I know, I know a little bit about that, but can we get into that? What happened? Um... Well, <laughs> what I want to know, I'll no, shit about Tom Cruise. I want some shit about Tom Cruise. <laughs> I mean, listen, man, it was a fucking crazy, it was a crazy time. It was a, it was a, uh, I went into that, I'd come off a $3 million film, and that, that movie was budgeted $186 million. I should have never been anywhere near that movie, man. Wow. And I was 33 at the time. Wow. And, uh, and I remember telling him, it's like, hey, listen, if you want to do like the punk rock, like the Clash version of Mission, but like that kind of shit, yeah. I'm in. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's like, and the, you know, listen, this was my, this was my introduction to, to, to big Hollywood. And I think as much as I was on the movie for 15 months, man, and it came down to, I just got to the point where, did you write it? I wrote it and I we wrote a really fantastic version of it. I thought, and by the way, both mission impossible three had it, but mission impossible four also had aspects of what we did. And the last one also had aspects of what we were doing. This idea that. This was they 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 turned Tom Cruise the IMF the the his organization into this kind of rogue. They tried to shut him down. That's what it was all about. It was all about private military. I thought that shit we were doing was ahead of its time. It, I thought it was the time, and uh, and you know I was young man. I just got I got my back up. I thought you know I don't want anybody telling me what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. And and uh, and I had a <laughs> I had 15 months of. Some of it was very enjoyable. Some of it was, I felt like the people were up my ass. I felt like people were watching me in, in yeah. a way of like to being too, um, I, the, where I get weird is if I feel like people want, like when people are like, Hey, come on, dance for us, dance. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I just go the other way, you know? And, and it was, it felt a little too restrictive. You know what I mean? Well, with the 180 
180 million dollar movie, you're going to be under the microscope. Well, they right? did, you're right. And by the way, dude, they had every re- they had every right to put me under the microscope. They had every right. But I remember specifically like playing hooky with my girlfriend at the time and 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 going off to Santa Barbara and doing a little like a little day trip. And, right. And I started getting calls, you know, Tom's looking for you. And and I knew I was, you know, fucking off and and because I'd been on it for a year and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to um I didn't want to participate. And Tom wound up driving to my house in the Palisades and getting my gate code and was knocking on my front door. And I was in Santa Barbara. So it was a bit, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was a bit, it was, listen, man. That sounds like an actual nightmare. That can- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, but, but, but listen, in all fairness, man, you're right, dude. It's what you said. It's $108 million. Who the fuck is this guy, meaning me, that, that thinks that he can, that any anybody else, I think I realized even now as I'm, as I'm older, it's like, not everybody needs to know your opinion all the time. Sometimes it's okay to shut up and just be like, "Yeah, great." It's it's about it, it, it just would have been about the money, and I did that. I mean, listen, I passed on what became Cold Case, the show Cold Case. I passed on what became Criminal Minds. Right. I mean, we'd be having this fucking podcast in the back of a yacht right now if I <laughs> shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not complaining where we doing that. We're doing it in Joe's big mansion in uh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's it's, like, it's a lovely little so, cottage in Malibu. But but no, but but you know, it, I think. What I learned was, uh, you know, there's a lot of working parts, man, a lot of moving parts. And, and you can't, I think my, because that would, that had been my experience. It's like, well, I'm the, I wrote this and I'm, I'm going to direct it. So I, I should have the say in terms of which way it goes. And I remember when I, when I called Tom Cruise to quit, I remember saying, man, man, it's your name on the poster. It's your face on the poster. You have to do this movie the way you want to do it. And I get that, but that's just not going to work for me. I know. And how did he react when you called him? He was great about him. He's a pro. And when I saw him later, I saw him, you know, when we were doing the great, Liam Neeson and I saw him, and it was like no time had passed. And he was an incredibly charming, funny, funny guy, Tom. Um, so it, 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 there was no hard feelings. And by the way, it's like he he remains one of my favorite actors. He's got that thing, man. He's got that thing that not a lot of people have. He's a, he's a movie star. Yeah. And you realize, like, why he made the, you know, why he's made the money he's made, why he's made the movies he's made. He's a movie star. Yeah. So, you know, I guess, listen. Uh, all things being equal, it's like I still made friends I've had to this day on that movie. I was in I was in Europe for five months on Paramount's dime, eating at great restaurants, drinking great bottles of wine, and I was this kind of shithead kid that grew up, you know, lower middle class in Michigan. So for me, it's like it was a dream. I guess you, know? you learned a lot from that as well, right? Mm-hmm. You got learned a lot from that, but seeing that as well. Talking about speaking your mind, I follow you on Twitter, and you still speak your mind. So I do some stupid shit on that. I say some things sometimes. I get, I get, you know, and it's like I probably shouldn't. It's like, listen, I had this whole thing go down with, uh, with uh, a guy who, God bless him, who's forgiven me for this. But I, but I, I went on this blast after I didn't get this Death Wish script at MGM, and I found out they were going to put a particular actor in this movie that I didn't want to put in the movie. And so after a couple Can of scotches, that was Bruce Willis. But by the way. Then Bruce calls me, you know, after that, and all is kind of well. But at the time, I was really pissed off about it, and I, and I wrote this guy a really nasty email, and I called him a cunt, and I called him a coward. And by the way, if, if my my wife's British, so I say cunt all the time. It's not, it <laughs> yeah, doesn't it's mean the way it means in the American, right, where everybody gets really offended. <laughs> and, but, dude, it was, again, it was like, it was dumb. I shouldn't have done that. It right. was my temper getting the better of me. So sometimes on Twitter, I'll be like, if I write this, you know, is it going to be... A big deal, you know. Yeah. Like the other day, I don't know if you guys have heard of microaggressions. Do you guys know what these are? No. We talk about. Yeah, you told me up in the gym. So, Glenn, you know what microaggression is? No. So, brother, if I ask you, 
or, or, or Mark, if I ask you, it's like, hey, man, you look kind of vaguely like that. What's your, what's your, what's your family's ethnicity? That, that's a microaggression. I'm not allowed to ask him that because that could be potentially offensive. Wow. So, so I, I wrote, because in the 50s, in America, we had this thing called McCarthyism, which is the witch hunt. They're all looking for communists. Everybody was a fucking communist. And I wrote, I think microaggressions could be the, like this generation's McCarthyism. It's like, the, it's like liberal thought backfiring, right? Yeah. And here it comes, man. I get this, like, that's white man's privilege. That's like, and I'm like, you guys are proving my point, man. We're all so, this generation, especially my, like, my older kids, like my, my daughters in college, they're so sensitive, man. Like, you can't, if you guys want to see some amazing, look up Yale Snowflakes, where these students at Yale surrounded this professor, because he wrote this thing about Halloween being like, hey, guys, it's Halloween. Let's try not to be offensive with the outfits we wear you know the costumes were but just understand it's halloween people want to have fun he got they it was like a like the salem witch hunts like they surrounded this guy and they wanted him fired oh i might have seen something was that recent yes bro. And, he, the and, last... he's, and he's there telling them all his opinion yeah and yeah, he's saying that. and as soon as he turns away from the girl like don't turn your back on her and he's, he's like I'm, I'm talking to all of you yeah i mean i'm telling you man wow. it's like and then you see like i see that in light of what's just gone on in paris these attacks i'm like like what like what like Especially American kids. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's European, British, whatever. But it's like, I feel like it's, we're turning everybody into pussies. Like, everybody, it's okay to be like, you're not creating a safe space for me. The world isn't safe. The world is a predatory, nasty fucking thing. I'm sorry. It just is. No, you're right. Especially what's just happened with Paris. I think it's over, the total number now killed is over 150. That's unbelievable. And then 300 and odd uh, injured. Yeah. And by the way, what? And by the way, how do you? So these Yale kids, like, how do they make like with your little safe space and your little? You're worried about what Halloween costume you can wear, and there's people being murdered in Paris. Yeah. Like when you talk about that kind of divide, mm-hmm. it's scary. You know yeah. what I mean? It's scary to me. And our and like, we're talking about. I was talking about this. With my wife. It's like you know, their our grandparents' generation. They fought in wars, man. They lost 150 people a day. Yeah. That you know they had an infant mortality rate. Like people, they dealt with that shit on a daily basis. It's like we're removed from that. And, and I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to wrap my head around it, man. It's like it's scary. I seen. I seen your tweet and stuff the other day about uh, kind of backing Muslims up, saying this is not a Muslim it's not. thing. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. When, and when I seen it happen, and I heard it was ISIS and Muslims that did it, that made me feel sorry for the other Muslims. Oh, me too, man. Because I was thinking, shit, these these poor Muslims, the the majority who's great. Yeah. This is uh, reflecting so bad. It's on so them. bad, man. It'd be like the evangelicals like hijacking like Christianity and just being violent. Yeah. And then we'd be like, well, then all of it, you guys, all Christians are, you guys are bad news. It's just, yeah. it's, because by the way, if they, it has, no, we can't call ISIS a religious group because the Quran doesn't support any fucking thing that they're doing. Right. Nothing in the Quran says that this is what you're doing. You kill an innocent. What is that quote? You kill an innocent. It's like you're killing all of civilization. That's right out of the Quran. It's like, they're not, they're just fundamentalist, crazy motherfuckers. Yeah. They can't be, you know, it's just anti-civilization movement. It is. Bro. It, really, that's what it, it is. is. And we were talking before we started about, um, technology and how fast and advanced we're getting and how much progress we're making as a species and then i feel like that's just sucking us right i think think it's cavemen i think it's cavemen like i think it's literally like a caveman philosophy like they're having this thing and listen i don't know how i feel about this and we can just talk about because it's kind of a hot button there's this thing now in britain ban the burqa they don't want any women wearing burqas in britain in britain Mm -hmm. really well they banned it in france right they banned it in france it's like no burqas because to me it's like that's a representation of like you know above that kind of listen by the way you want to do that cool 
You want to, it's like, and again, I understand it's like, we're talking about that Putin quote. And the Putin quote was very much a nationalist kind of quote. It was, listen, it was not, because you read the rest of that quote, it gets pretty funky. He's basically saying, fuck you, Russia's for Russians. Yeah. And we don't need minorities. And if you, and if you want Sharia law, then go someplace where they, where they honor Sharia law. Part of me goes, okay, that could be viewed as intolerant. The other part of me goes, I get it, man. When, yeah. when, when, when a bunch of people are getting whacked and getting killed in Paris, then, then I say, well, guys, if you can do anything to eliminate that, then do it. Yeah. And I'm not saying we have to become fascist, but it's what Glenn says. It's like it's anti-civilization. It's anti. It's anti-technology. It's anti. It's anti-modernism. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want to do? You want to drag it back to the seventh century and everybody lives in chaos? Like, what do you want? Yeah. I can't figure out what the fuck they want. That's what's frustrating. You mm. know what I mean? It's like I don't know what the hell they want. I never knew that with a Burke that Britain was trying to ban it. I know you told us about Russia. Well, there's this kind of again. There's this kind of. There's, apparently, there's this kind of groundswell of like, look, we don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want it out there. I, it's like, I kind of agree with it. I right. really do because, you know, you, you, you see you see them walking around like that. I, I see. I, I'm, I need to be really careful what I see you. No, 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 brother. I understand what you're saying. Listen, I'm. I'm. A, I, listen. I think we're all because you, you you have strong women in your life. Whatever your mother's strong, you're a yeah. strong woman. You're 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 by your very nature, you're feminist because you believe that like I don't want to I don't want to subjugate women. Yeah. And that to me feels like the subjugation of women. Although, when I was in Jordan a couple of years ago, I'm with this woman Linda who's Jordanian in London, educated in London, and she told me. You know what's great? I can wear, like, gym shorts and a tank top and throw a burk on, and nobody bothers me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Almost yeah, for yeah. her, it was almost like it was a way to, to not be, to be anonymous. Yeah. And, and, and that may not be a popular sentiment, but, like, I, that's the thing, dude. It's like even, even the way you approach that, it's like i got to be careful how I... Yeah, it's fucked up, isn't it? It is fucked up it's because fucked up. we're because we're denying. That's the other day I said like you guys know the movie Blazing Saddles, the old film Blazing yeah. Saddles. I'd say if that movie came out today, it'd be banned, it'd be boycotted, it'd be like you're using this word, you're using that. We've lost no, this entire generation has no sense of humor. They have no sense of satire. They have no sense of irony. They don't get it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like. It's like I told this joke. It's like it, it was like I like I'm, listen. I'm I'm Irish. Like I'm Irish blood. I, it was like the joke was like how many how many potatoes does it, kill, does it take to kill an Irishman? Zero. It's about the famine, right? It's like zero. <laughs> and it was like I told. It was like I farted in church. It was yeah. like come yeah. on, guys. Like we can't be this. We're uptight. Totally. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To the point where we can't. Nobody. So what you do is, you. I think all these people that have hatred in their hearts, rather than let them have the forum where they can go. I don't trust black people. Right, we go. Wait a minute. Okay, let's sort let's sort that out. Yeah. Because that's not that. There's you have no reason to, to think that way. Let's try to get to the core of that instead of just going. You're wrong. You're a racist. Banned. Get away from yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That ain't that's that's as fascist as anything that. Well, that sort of thing. I don't trust black people. It comes to I don't trust Muslims. Right. You know. It's totally. Just, it's the same. Put them it's under the one. But like put the policemen as well. It's uh, people hear policemen because you see some policemen bashing people up and blacks up and all that and. I mean, and, and now all policemen are bad. Yeah, and exactly. I'm pro police, according to uh, Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, listen. I, I mean, I think. Listen, Quentin's. I mean, that's a tough stance to take, and I get what he's doing. He's like, he he feels he feels aligned with the victims. I'm I am totally pro cop in the sense that right. I think, like with anything, there are bad apples. There are people that don't. You know what I mean? It's law of averages. Absolutely, brother. It's like you're going to get people that you're going to get guys that are pieces of shit just like you're gonna get guys on the other side of the thing that are pieces of shit it's like yeah. listen yeah. I'll, I'll tell you a very unpopular thing like this guy michael brown and ferguson rallying around michael brown 
I think was a huge mistake because I, I get like Michael Brown became emblematic of something I don't think he deserved to be. When when by the way, when Eric Holder, who's who's an African American attorney general, turns over results and says, no, he was inside this cop's car. There's DNA evidence of him being. He tried to take this cop's gun and he got shot. And they're oh. like, well, he got shot. He, he got shot in the back. No, he didn't. It's like so now, but then we turn this guy into a, this cause celeb for like all this, you know, the African American rage. I don't. I think it's the. I think it's wrong. And by the way, I'm a white man saying this. I could very easily go, Carnahan's a racist because he's saying this shit. Yeah. I, I think it's like, guys, I, I refuse to believe, like, if we're going to pick our, if we're going to pick our, if we're going to pick our, our symbols of struggle, let's pick really good ones. Okay. Yeah. It's like, you know, is it a shame that Michael Brown got shot and killed? Yeah, I guess it's a shame that Michael Brown got shot and killed. So, but it's like, dude, you want to poke a hornet's nest, you're going to get stung. I'm sorry. Like, right. you tried to take it's, – it's the Justice Department. It's not even me now. It's not your opinion. It's the goddamn Justice Department saying, here are our findings. He was inside the car. He, he had just robbed a, a convenience store 30 minutes earlier. He's walking down the middle of the street, ignoring a police officer's like, it's like, it was the perfect storm. And because it's Ferguson, Missouri, because it's like racially, you know, divided and so on and so forth, it becomes this much bigger flashpoint. And I understand all that. But I think we've lost the context. We've lost the ability to have a discussion and have opinions that differ from, if you don't love Michael Brown, you're a fucking racist. Yeah, I think... Um it stems from people being blinded by, like, they categorize themselves as a specific viewpoint. It's like, oh, I'm liberal, or I'm right-wing, or right. I'm left-wing. And, and it's like every single issue you ever talk about has to be looked at through through Stuff that, through that filter. You're right, brother. You can't right. be like, oh, I'm, I, I think this about this, or I'm a little bit more conservative about this, or I'm a little bit more liberal about this. Whatever the issue is... You're absolutely right, dude. It's not always one side. It's right no. on every single and, thing. And we want black this and white. This country's yeah. so separated by I'm, I'm left wing and I'm left wing on everything. Yes. Or I'm right wing and I'm right wing on everything. Yes. It's like they can't just take a, a, a story or a case or a topic or whatever and talk about it. At face it. value. Exactly. Right. Like how they see it based off their own experiences. Right. It's like they're so clinged to You're the, so right, man. And view. by the way, that's what's tearing us apart. And that very thing is what's tearing us apart. Everybody's dug into these positions. Yeah. It's like, I, I, no, I can't do that. I can't. It's like, well, we, you know what we've lost? We've lost logic and common sense of the, of the casualties of this whole thing. Yeah. And that's why I think it's like, listen, at least in Britain, you've got the three-party system, right? It's like, yeah. you've got a tiebreaker. you got some guy. It's like, it's like, and that's why I think, listen, as crazy as Donald Trump is, and I think he's out of his fucking mind, what's great about Trump is like, he's, he's the free radical. He's the one that like, he'll say crazy shit, and these other idiots have to but say. it's coming from his head. It's not it is. from like. No. His, not blinded it's by not a, perspective. No, and it's not a cue card. It's Would not you a bunch of. For him? I, here's, the, here's the hypocrite in me, bro. Here's the hypocrite in me. I'm like, Trump's an idiot. Trump's an idiot. Trump's an idiot. Trump comes out and says, I think the rich, I think people that make a certain amount of money should only pay like a 10% flat tax. And suddenly I'm like, you know what? This fucking guy. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you know what, Donald? Your terrible hairpiece aside, you're not a bad guy. So, no. So, you know what? No, because I think the problem is, can you see him like, can you see him going and trying to talk to the Chinese about like fair trade? Like, come on, man. The guy's like, you know, I didn't you guys are speaking. They're speaking some language I don't even understand. It's like, yeah, it's Chinese, moron. You know, it's like he's not a – he has no – Trump has no statesmanship. He has no – he doesn't have the, 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 like the elegance of like a, like, a, like a foreign policy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like he's not he – he's not like an intellect, like a guy you'd want going, yeah, I want you talking for me, <laughs> you know? Then, that's, this is what I'm talking about, about you on your Twitter. You, you speak like we're speaking now on your Twitter. You don't give a shit and – I agree with 99% of the things you talk about. Right. I said 99 because there's one thing I don't agree with. Do you want to know what? What is it, dude? Floyd Mayweather. 
Oh, shit. Oh, what was the Floyd Mayweather? Oh. You fucking hit him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate, hate, hate Floyd Mayweather. I, mean. I hate him, Tony. You know what? I, I guess here's the thing. I appreciate his level of skill. And I appreciate, but I think he's such a punk, and I think he's such a, like, I watch those things like the, like the dog pound of the Mayweather gym where they yeah. make these guys fight, yeah. like, 31-minute rounds. That's like an old, you know what it is? It's like an old English aristocracy with, like, some little, like, like Lord Fauntleroy, like, bring the peasants before me, let them battle. <laughs> and he's cheering, and, it, you know, it's like, ooh, you know. It's that, it's like, I feel like he's, and I also feel like, his last, this Andre Berto thing was such a fucking embarrassment. It's like, if you're going to go, bro, and fight, why don't you fight Sean Porter? Why don't you fight, you know, Keith Urban? Why don't you fight, like, why don't you fight, like, a real, like, Thurman? Like, one of these guys that can bang with you. He'll never, he wants no part of Triple G. And by the way, he's a 40. I feel like, dude, and we talked about this the other day, he can't, his ego cannot, the 50-0 thing is too attractive to him. Yeah. Oh, he'll be back. Don't worry about that. I think, but, but I think he feels like, I think Triple G some part of Mayweather can't stand that, like, people think, oh, he doesn't want it great. He doesn't want that guy. Yeah. But, but look, go, go to why. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm babbling. Dude. I want to hear why you, why you love the, him so the, much. The, the, the reason why is because there's so many boxers out there that leave the sport of boxing without a fucking penny. He's done the opposite. Right. Because uh, he is an arsehole. I agree with that. He's right. an arrogant bastard. He's a, he's a dickhead. You know, I'm, I met him one time after the Olympics. Uh, I was in Vegas on holiday, and... Someone says, who I knew from Britain, go to the gym. There's a guy there who I know, he introduced you to Floyd. So I was all excited, a big fan. I was like 24-year-old. I went to the gym and Floyd walked in and I'm all there, all nervous. And he's walking around shaking everyone's hand. He comes up to me, puts his hand up, shakes me and he went, who the fuck's this white boy? And I was like, I was gobsmacked and I was a big fan. And then I just thought, he's a fucking prick. But, uh, right, so, right. Yeah, and, you're, and you're right, he is. Yeah, he is, yeah. I, I agree. But the, the respect I've got for him because of... The money he's earned and, and, and the publicity he's got sure. and, and how much he's done for boxing is, is amazing, absolutely right. amazing. And he's a boxing, he's a boxing ability too. The art of boxing is hit and don't be hit. You would like to see him standing and have a war with with uh, Manny Pacquiao getting toe to toe. He's not going to do that because sure. he's smart. Yeah. And with me being a, a former pro boxer, if I could have done what he'd done, I would have done it. Obviously, I couldn't. But, but also, brother, but also, I would say to you, it's like I'd still rather see Ricky Hatton fight. Any day of the week, yeah. then I would see Floyd, and, I'd, and it's like, and I guess the romantic in me goes back to Hagler, Hearns, yeah. and by the way, I say it all like you know, Tommy Hearns can barely put a sentence together. I mean, I saw him in Vegas a couple of years. It's sad. I mean, he's yeah. so punchy. You know, like guys like Meldrick Taylor, those guys are so punched out because they spent all these time entertaining. So I guess you know what it is. It's like I feel like, brother, I feel like Mayweather. And the, they're all the children of Oscar De La Hoya in somewhere. They all figured out how to beat the CompuBox system. They all figured out like. I'm not going to knock this guy out. I'm going to outpoint him. And it mm. created this era in boxing where, okay, great, he's dominant. He's 49 and all, whatever. Those fights are boring as shit. Yeah. Manny Pacquiao and him were watching two multimillionaires spar. Nobody wants to right. see that. They yeah. want to see guys come out and try to take the other one guy's head off. And I think that part of it, as I said, I think I Twitter, it's like if I could trans, if I could time travel Sugar Ray Leonard from 1979 and have him tune up fucking Floyd Mayweather, that'd be great because that guy came out to knock you out. He came yeah. out to engage. And as, as brilliant, again, as I think Floyd, you know, like took from Pernell Whitaker and took from all these like classic yeah. defensive fighters, it's, they're boring fights, man. Yeah, I agree. He's a boring fighter. So, but what he's done though for a boring fighter to I, to, I, to, I disagree with that. Though. I don't think they're boring. Fighters. I mean, I mean, you like I, him, I, you like the, I could the technical... watch him box like all day. Right, it's just like 
how do you do that? How do you right. have somebody who's just coming at you, just firing, just dying to knock you out? Yeah. And for 12 rounds, they can barely even touch no, you. But to I, me, that's such a fascinating thing to watch. Just yeah, you're right. His head movement, his footwork. And by the way, I thought like Madonna had a good shot at him because he kept yeah. bringing that big kind of hatchet overhand right. Smashing him. Smashing him with it. And I thought, but, but you know what? It's to Glenn's point. Mayweather adjusted, man. Yeah. And then suddenly Maydano wasn't hitting him anymore. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, I guess, I, I, I don't, I get it, but I think, but I think he's such a punk. Yeah. He's such a, he's such a, like, at his core level, a fucking punk that uh, the part of me, like, as much as we'll, I'm sure we'll get to the Ronda Rousey thing that just happened yeah. last night, I would love to see that guy get knocked flat in his ass. And I think people would pay more money thinking they're going to watch a fight where Floyd Mayweather gets knocked out. That would be the big draw. Yeah. Here's, you know what I mean? Here's my question. Do you think you have that opinion of him because you see him on TV and the media persona that he's put out there is like flashy and money and all that? I think... I feel like if you knew him on a personal level, he, he he wouldn't be as much of an asshole. Maybe not, bro. But I don't. But see, the thing he is, those things are indistinguishable, in Glenn, because they follow, they follow him on twenty four seven into his own home, and he seems like that guy. And the but Jimmy he's seems like that all guy. that stuff. Though, it's you know? true, right? And but how much of it is like, okay, so what is Floyd's actual person? Is he like this humanitarian that we're unaware of? Is he back? Does he have a little tomato garden? He's like, yeah. taking care, you know what I mean? It's like, what's his? Does he love orphans? I mean, I don't know. It's like, but what he. He everything about him, too. everything about him is like, it's like, it's like the rap fantasy personified bling, money, cars, you know what I mean? It's like, and I get all that. If there's one part of him that I thought was redeemable in terms of just as a man, right? Not beating up women, not like, you yeah. know, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, then, then I guess, um, uh, there might be some part of him. I thought and maybe you're right. Maybe there's some shred of him. that's like, yeah, you know, he's not so bad. He, he like he does this or he does that. I think you, you know? just take his story as well. It's such an inspiring story uh, for for me as well. Someone coming from another country to to come to America and everything that's good about America, making something from nothing, pulling right. yourself up from the from one of the poorest cities I mean, in Grand the entire Rapids, country, yeah, right? To making yourself the highest pay, highest paid athlete. And creating your own empire and your own business and but what everything you, that he's done, it's just unbelievable. No, that, uh, you know, here's the thing. Not to take anything away from it, I think his sense, like you had said too, dude, that sense, that shrewd, really uh, business sense he has mm-hmm. is unsurpassed. Because I don't think De La Hoya's got the money that Floyd Mayweather's no, got, no. right? But it's, and I think that his, that I get all that. And I think that's been, he's he's done a brilliant job of that. It's particularly, dude, and you know this, brother, coming out of sports, like, Every every fight I've ever known, I always said it's so crooked. It's beyond crooked. You got the Bob yeah, Arums. You got these guys. You know what I mean? They're they're all like they're all crooked, yeah. and they're all robbing you blind while you get your head kicked in. So in that respect, I do have respect for for Floyd Mayweather because nice. he has. There you go. You won. <laughs> so now it's a hundred percent. Got ninety nine. It's a hundred. So yeah, but 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 I think again, it's like when when people can do that, it's like Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, barring last night, no, you know, uh, uh, you know, created a persona for herself and created this image for herself that will supersede the UFC. Yeah. You know what I mean? What she's going to do just the way that Floyd kind of supersedes boxing. But I don't know that anybody's ever going to pay a lot of money to see a Floyd Mayweather fight unless he fights a guy that's, that can, that can give him a run like a triple G like a Sean Port, like somebody like that. But well, the, the, well, what is it? Like three fights ago, everyone was pressuring and pressuring him to fight Canelo. Big 160 And he beat him up, dude. And he just made him look He did. Shit. <laughs> he made him look like shit. Yeah. But, is it, but you know, again, they got the Canelo Cotto, so, so whoever's, whoever wins that fight is going to fight Triple G. Yeah. So from that, if you're Floyd, what's running through your mind? You're still sitting at 49-0, and 0, man. 
you're not, a, you're not at an even number. You know what I mean? You're not that 15-0. But he's the weight below, so I don't think he's going to take that. It's too big of a risk right. for him to step up and fight someone like Triple G. Let's get on to Ronda Rousey last night. Oof. My God. Wow. So if, you, if you've never seen that fight, I'm sure you heard about it. Ronda got knocked out in the second round by a, a head kick. But yeah. you've seen the fight, you're right? Yeah. Well, did you see, by the way, before I go into it, did you... You know that on the Tonight Show about a month ago, Ronda Rousey literally predicted the way she'd be knocked out to Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. She literally said to him, right. she's probably going to try to stay on the outside and, and, and create distance and work the jab and then catch me with a head kick and knock me out. And then she said, and that's not going to happen. That's exactly yeah, what happened. It's exactly. crazy. I've seen that this morning. Oof. But, but yeah, <clears throat> I was on a podcast, the Josh, Josh Wolf podcast the other week, and he was asking me, cause there's been lots of rumors about how would Ronda Rousey do against Floyd Mayweather. Have you heard, you've seen yeah, that yeah, shit, yeah, right? all that shit. And Al says, well, if, as soon as she grabs hold of him, it's, it's going to be game over because he can't defend a takedown. Right. He, and as soon as he gets on the floor, he's, he's, he's game over. And then I seen that Holly Holmes last night just outbox the shit oh, out outbox. of her. I mean, Ronda, Ronda just running after her. She looked lost within two. And you realize it's like, and by the way, Winkle John and Greg Jackson, those guys in, the, in all pre-fight stuff said, listen, she has holes in her game. Ronda has holes in her game. Yeah. And we're going to expose them. And my God, did they ever. I just don't know how you're... If you're Rousey's, if you're, if, and again, I had heard, we talked about this earlier, I had heard rumors out of her, that camp in Glendale, that she wasn't sparring that much. They were relying on her judo way too much. They weren't pushing her. It was all mitt work. It wasn't yeah. really, you know, they weren't preparing for someone like Holly Holm. Well, by the way, one championships in boxing mm -hmm. right. and she's de you're dealing with greg jackson is a mad scientist man you're going to go into that fight and think that you can do like you can cut you know you can rush her and 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 and, and hip throw yeah. her and that's the fight it's like she fought br by the way not only brilliantly dominated her i mean i think i thought she completely dominated her um so i, I don't even think the fight was close it's like no, people like wasn't. oh i can't believe how it's like holly holm was in a different class yeah, man big time big time. it's like a victory for boxing almost like it was for bro. me I think it was like, because there's not a lot of great boxers in, in UFC and MMA, really, is there? I tweeted last and night, and I got loads of abuse for it. I tweeted, uh, this just shows that a good boxer will beat a good MMA fighter. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I really think it is. You, after you, by the way, brother, but you can also look at, uh, statistically, like, the, the, the people with the best boxing skills are traditionally checked. John Jones is a great striker, great yeah. stand-up guy. He's a great boxer. Th those guys win. I'm yeah. sorry, but great a great boxer will beat a great karate guy, will beat a great... Because it's like... And she was hitting... Well, I didn't realize until I watched the replay of that fight, because I just thought... I was sitting with my wife. I was like, let's watch it again. She's hitting her with left-hand leads, Boom. man. She's yeah. throwing left-hand leads the way you throw a jab. Yeah. And she's cracking her with that shot, like, fast and, and like, turning precise. Turning at the same time. She Brother, was walking turning her hip. I mean, boom. boom. And Ronda's chasing her. Ronda, it, it, she starts to ch And you could see there's a moment in that first round where I thought I saw genuine panic in Ronda Rousey's eyes. Right. Like, this is not going the way she I was thought. Out of the and I'm eating way too many punches, yeah. man. You and know? then Ronda's swinging big left dukes and falling on the floor. That was like, fuck, that was That was, dude, that, like, the, the, by the way, it's a boxing move. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. slip that punch and down goes Ronda, yeah. so, you know? So down back to Ronda's coach, like we spoke about, Ronda's mom was giving uh, yeah, man. Edmund, Ronda's coach, some shit, saying he's not a great trainer and this and that. And I think it just goes to show, like, he's not, like, there was no game plan there. And all the other girls Ronda's fought, Ronda's just been way out of the league. Yeah. Uh, she fights a boxer where Edmund's a boxing guy. He should have been 
working on cutting the ring down, uh, the cage down, and that sort of thing. But it wasn't. She was just chasing her around that ring, no cutting it down. She wasn't trying to walk Nothing. her down. She wasn't cutting the ring. She wasn't taking any angles. She was literally, like, she looked like, you know what she looked like, Ron? She looked like a schoolyard bully that had run into yeah. somebody who knew how to punch. Yeah. And she didn't know what the hell to do. And I think it's like, they'd, and, and it's like, there was a lot of criticism because she came back after that first round, and that guy Edmund was like, good job, champ. And it's like, you know, and, they, yeah. and, they, and I, read, I read kind of both opinions. Some guy was like, well, that's not his fault. He's trying to prop his fighter up and keep her enthusiastic and keep her pumped up. And somebody else said, you, listen, man, she just got tuned up that first round. you got to tell her what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. not just, hey, she's just trying to load you up and look for that left. It's like, no, it's a whole other thing, man. Yeah. Like, you got to get inside. I mean, at that point, it's like, you got to fight this girl in a phone booth or you're going to lose. Yeah. And, she, and Ronda stayed right out at the end of her punches. Yeah. That's the thing that was blowing my yeah. mind. You're right at the end of her She's drilling you. But even, even, even the, she, she, the couple of times that she did cut her off and got hold of her, she wasn't stronger than her when. No. Were, yeah. How about that takedown? Take she just yeah. took her down and then got back up. Yeah. That was so yeah. smart. Yeah. That was t- that was she that was, was tactical that was technical fighting. She was prepared for what happens if I get taken down by Ronda. Totally prepared. I just thought like, and I think that I thought Holly Holm was so classy. Ronda didn't touch gloves at the beginning. Yeah. Didn't do yeah, that stuff. And then even as she's become the new bantamweight champion, she still kneels down because she doesn't know. She was the, checking on her to and, see if she's yeah. okay. I just thought it was classy. And you know what's weird? I don't know that Rousey can recover from this. I don't know yeah. because I've never seen someone look so deflated when they're waiting to kind of raise Holly Holmes hand. Ronda Rousey looked like a shell, like yeah. almost like all her ego mm-hmm. had left the building. Yeah. And how do yeah. you like, and Rashad Evans said something really interesting. He's like, it won't be when you win the belt the first time. That's not really where you find out if you're a champion. It's when you get it back. Right. And I don't know that Holly Holm isn't so in her mind that she can remember um, Vernon Forrest fought Ricardo Mayorga, and Mayorga did all that weird shit to him. And yeah. Vernon Forrest, I thought, was one of the most technically bu- brilliant boxers I've ever seen. Got got lured into a street fight with this Nicaraguan guy who threw bombs from every possible angle, and was drinking Budweiser and smoking cigarettes yeah. in the post fight. And you could see Vernon Forrest go, "None of this computes, right? None of none of my time in the gym. This guy's like an alien. I'm fighting." And the second fight, I'll never forget. May- Mayorga drops his hands. And Vernon Forrest hits him with a five-punch combination, and Mayorga just goes like this. And you could literally see Vernon Forrest's soul yeah. evaporate. And I think I'm more, I'm, I wonder because Holm was so cool. And even in the way in when Ronda was kind of acting weird and rushed her and all that yeah. stuff. And even beforehand, it's like she had that killer's, like, placid, like, expressionless. And I just think she's got her number now. Yeah, I, I definitely think she's got a number. And I think when they have the rematch, because it's going to happen, I think it's going to go the same way. I think it's going to go exactly I think the same it, way. I think it will, too. I think it's she's smart. She would. I don't know. I think it's like I've heard things. People saying Ronda wants to become a movie star. Maybe now's the time. WWE, I think. Next. But I think they won't <laughs> forgive her if she doesn't fight. Yeah. It'll be like she's ducking that fight if she doesn't she, take the rematch. She, I think she's. Well, I was going to say I think she's got to. But with Ronda, I know Ronda personally. I think she's in the mindset she hasn't got to do a fucking thing. She does what she wants to do. You know. Do you think the fight doesn't happen then? If she wants it to happen, not to happen. I think I think she will. I think she will. Right. I think she will fight, and I think, but I think the results going to be the exact same. I agree. I agree. Uh, so let's get back onto you, Joe. Back onto uh, your career and, and things. What difference do you feel there is between British? This is one of Glenn's question. British and American film. Oh boy. I mean, listen. All my, you know, all, some of my biggest influences, like. Mike Lee, who made Secrets and Lies. Ken Loach, who made some great riffraff with Robert Carlyle years ago. Uh, a guy named Alan Clark, who a lot of people don't know, but he, Alan Clark did a film called Elephant, 
It's all about, it's literally 11 IRA killings back to back to back to back to back. He was a really controversial filmmaker. He made a, uh, uh, a film called uh, Scum with Tim Roth, and he made the original. School. No, no, no. Scum with uh, Ray Winston. It's in the Borstal. <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Man. That was Alan that? Clark. Yeah, it's brilliant. Great film. So I, you know what it is? I think there's a, I, I, I don't know, man. You know what the thing is? The British cinema has the realism of the British cinema to me. In that, in those respects, and then you got the Guy Ritchie, and you got the, you know. Yeah. But I think where I'm most influenced by is that um, is the British style because they made. There's a film that Mike Lee made called Meantime with Tim Roth, and is, is it Robert Carla? Who else is in that film, man? Like a huge no, Gary Oldman, and uh, the Firm. Have you ever seen the Firm, the original yeah. Firm? Yeah. I love that film. That's an Alan Clark film. There's, I don't know, man. There's like a, there's a. And, and Oldman made that film Nil by Mouth, which is kind of in this style of that old British cinema, the neorealism of the British cinema. I, I don't know. I think that there's a. I think, listen, I think British actors are better than American actors. It's like I think Australian actors are better than American really? actors. Yeah, you don't see. You think about where all our leading men have come from. The British Superman's a Brit. You know, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. w- w- there's, I think, the, I think there's a more. There's a, the, you know. There's an emphasis put more on character development versus the style. I think that those those actors care about performance versus being famous. And I think the way American actors kind of come, it's all about the the, the glitz of it versus yeah. the, versus the reality of it. And I just that's why I think you know. And listen, I think Oldman's one of our top five all time, all time. Right. Uh, I, I think he's done unbelievably brilliant work that people are like, yeah, but he's a character actor, maybe, but he's also uh, so talented. You know, and you take him, you know, making him like Commissioner Gordon, those Batman films was so smart because he so grounds all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I guess my, that's what I think the big difference is. I think that the British system produces more talent. I think especially the actors, just better. Yeah. We were talking earlier on about how easy it is to make movies and that now, how how you can do it on iPhones and that stuff. Why can they not get a boxing scene correct in a movie? I don't know. Why the fuck can they? I just watched Southpaw. That Southpaw? Yeah. Well, I mean, do you think there's going to be one in Creed? I think it's going to be better. I hope so. I think it's going to be better in Creed, but that Southpaw movie, I think that had all the tools to do it. The scenes looked good. When it comes to the actually punching and getting punched, it was just like so shite. I think they I think they've every everybody's taken like their cues from Rocky, which is a defenseless boxing. You know what I mean? It's like I'm trying to think of like, well, let me ask you this question: Do what are your of, of of the boxing films you've seen? What are your favorites in terms of like the reality of the sport? Um, I can't I can't think of the the I mean the the reality. Rocky's my favorite movie, but it's not reality. Right. Uh, I like the um, Cinderella Man, but I can't think how reality that was. Right. But I like the storyline behind that. I thought Ali, the Michael Mann thing, I didn't like the film because I thought the film was way too long, but I thought the boxing stuff was was good. I never seen that. Because they did this, they shot stereoscopically, so they put two lenses to kind of simulate your eyesight. And so that was cool. I mean, it was like getting hit. You know what I mean? And I think that Will Smith had gone, had said uh, that they really, like, they really. You know, they they bashed each other. They, you know, yeah. they 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 punched each other. But to get that, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I when I was watching Southpaw, I was waiting for the the, the the kind of the really fantastic boxing stuff. And I yeah. just think it's, you know, it's because you know what it is. You know, the, the reality of it is, dude, you really want a good boxing, you got to let guys box. Yeah. You know, it's like Frank Grillo's good buddy of mine. He does the Kingdom, the the the, the direct TV show. Yeah. And he said he got in there the other day, and they were and he was he had a pro in there, an MMA fighter, and he said to the guy, he's like, dude, let's just spar. Like, let's just go and we'll spar. Just yeah. put a mouth guard and we'll go. And he said, they're hitting each other. 
And he said, the, the, the director was like, oh, this is fantastic because, yeah, they're punching each other. That's what, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, had the, it, had, it had the immediacy of the moment, but it doesn't, what, what, they, what Hollywood wants is they want the big, they want the moment in, in, in Rocky where in that first round where he's waiting and he catches him with that uppercut and, and Creed goes, they want the big yeah. home run ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they want the yeah. dramatic. They don't want the reality. I know you've got a lot of celebrity friends, actors, actresses. Do you ever get starstruck? Truthfully, no. I've only been. You know what? I was starstruck with uh, when I met Martin Scorsese. I got a little. I got a little because he's a director. He's a, and I love that right. guy. And, I, and he was a huge influence on me. But I've never met an actor where I've where because they're always they're always usually shorter than you think they're going to be. <laughs> and uh, you know what I mean. So I've never. No, I've never gotten. I've ne I've never gotten starstruck. I've like. Uh, because what you realize very quickly is like they're all kind of peculiar and <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, There's yeah. always a little something about actors that's a little <clears throat> off. When, when you were directing, I mean, I've, I've got I've got much experience in the TV world, but when I mean, when I come on the blacklist, yeah, and you got me on there. I I I seen the way you were acting with the actors and the actresses, and you were so positive and so just so so great, and and you you, you led everyone well to all the team. You were nice to everyone. Right. You were sitting there where. <clears throat> I got the impression the director would be sitting there bossing people around, but you weren't. You were speaking to people, fantastic, giving them confidence. Is that something you like work towards to, to be like yeah, that? Or man. is it just the I, way you are? No, I, just the way I am. I don't. I just. I don't believe in yelling and screaming, and you know, I don't yeah. think you you don't inspire people when you yell and scream at them. You know, and and like. It just doesn't. It doesn't work, man. I mean, it's so funny, dude. Like I put it back on you. It's like, you know, uh, there's a guy who has a. We, we know. I don't want to mention his name because. But there's a guy who has a gym in town, a boxing gym. He's had it for ten years, right? And I, we all oh, know yeah, him. Yeah. He's a trainer and so on and so forth. He trained. He fought with, you know, with. Uh, he fought heavyweight and so on and so forth. And like you were saying to me, it's like. You walk into certain gyms and it's a pro gym, and you got guy, and you watch you watching pros hit the bag and pro, people get intimidated, man. They they hit the door. You know yeah. what I mean? It's the same way, but it's the way. It's your approach. That's why you guys are going to open your third gym in whatever three four years, where other guys just have that. It's it's the, it's your approach. Right. If you, I think it encourages success. It encourages people to go. Oh, I want to be there, man. That's cool. I feel welcome there. I feel like I can do stuff there. I don't feel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like if you intimidate and scream. I'll, I'll listen to certain people. People like they talk about their directors and what they how they'll talk to people. And it's like man, I don't know how the hell you do that. Yeah. Like this is not that just creates resentment. I don't want people to like not want to work with me or not want to you know. And on the gray because I'd done the A team in Vancouver, so on the gray when all these people, all these crew members had the ability, they could have stayed in Vancouver and worked on Mission Impossible Four, which was shooting in Vancouver at the same time. They all took less money to come out in the middle of the wilderness with me wow. because they knew they'd have a good time and they knew it was going to be fun yeah. and they knew they'd have an adventure. And that's the kind of, that's what I want. Because by the way, that's loyalty. The rest yeah. of it, you're just paying for yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I've been very fortunate in that way. And I thought too, with you coming on, so you've never done it before. Yeah. So what am I going to do? Go, Tony, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, yeah. Don't do that. You know, it's like, you'd have been like, shit, man. Yeah. But, not, but not even with me, with the, with the lead, the lead and, right. and the other people are just saying, oh, that was great. Now let's try it this way. Rather than saying, no, 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 do it this way. It was like, yeah, that was good. But now can we try it this way? Sure. Be and your now there's certain instances dude, where you get like that. I've had actors where, I, where they'll pull shit with me and it's like, no, 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 man. Then you have to do the whole, come down to my trailer and let's have a conversation right. you know and then it's just but it's but you know what it is it's a, it's a very it's a very simple sorting out of priorities it's like yeah. be respectful of me i'm respectful of you whatever's going on right now ain't working so let's stop this and yeah. let's get back to what we're supposed to do which is the work mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah. that's it at the end of the day man we're all trying we're all carpenters trying to build something so right. let's get back to building and not fucking off and worrying about 
silly shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I bet that's tricky though when you're dealing with like massive. Oh yeah, man. Egos. You know, sure. Well, that's the thing. It's like detect. you're in the movie star, but a friend of mine said to me, it's like uh, he's a big producer, and uh, and he said uh, that another big producer had said to him, uh, if you give a movie star a sweater. They'll find the one thread that will destroy that sweater, and they'll pull at that one. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. and by the way, but that's the business. Like right now, very few big movies are getting made. If they are getting made, they're comic book movies. Or they're, you know what I mean? Marvel mm-hmm. films. Marvel's doing a brilliant job because they're making these really high quality films that are good. But that's where the whole business has shifted, man. So movies like even something like Smoking Aces would never get greenlit at a studio now. Never. Yeah. Universal, as the student made it. You know, ten years, eight, nine years ago, would never make that film. Now yeah. I get that the business has changed. Yeah. There, nobody wants to do. They want to hit home runs, man. They don't want to, you know. Same goes for music, right? And right, like, I think that all comes back to that instant gratification thing we were talking about before with technology. It's like everything's on the top of an app or instant, instant, instant. Sure. No one wants to sit down and listen to a full album from start no. to finish and read the lyric sleeve. No one wants to watch a three and a half hour film. No. That's got a really long plot and great acting and nothing You're right. massive happens in the middle. You know, it's it's the same sort of concept. Everyone wants to go to a film, well, we've, we've, watch it, get hit instantly from start to finish. Right. And so it's become these, yeah, it's become these, mm-hmm. these things you build versus like, I try to show my kids like Lawrence of Arabia or, you know, like, Movies that are, you know, old, classic films. They can't make it, man. Really? It's too slow for them. Yeah, yeah, Which, which yeah. I understand, yeah. you know. So now you're very successful at what you do. You were telling me you've wrote Bad Boys 3, mm-hmm. and you were away for eight weeks in, like, a, I imagine you're in a room just sitting there focused on this thing for yeah. eight weeks. You told me it's the hardest you've ever worked in your life. Yeah. You put yourself away from your kids, your wife, from your nice life to do this. What motivates you? Because I'm... I know you've got you've got a few quid. You, you, you don't need the money, <laughs> right? But so, is it the money that motivates you? What is it? Is it the fame? Uh, the... No, I think you know what I, I think it is. It's like listen, we all have a we all have a relevancy. You know what I mean? Right. We all have a um, we all have a uh, how we're viewed, you know, and so on and so forth. So I think a lot of it had to do with listen. I did a movie called Stretch, a little tiny movie that I thought I loved. I thought I'd do it, you know, like no harm, no foul. It's a $5 million film. And then I find out, it's like, well, that didn't get released. So it's like, it's counting against you. It's like, wait, counts against me wow. for doing like a, for doing, well, then I, then I don't look at it that way. Cause I think it's like, well, wait a minute, can we just be, and then I read like, somebody sends me an article, 10 films, 10 great films didn't become great until they went on like VOD and stretches like number one. Right. I know it's a, fu- it's a funny funny movie man and i was very proud of it but because it so then i got these you know my agent saying well you got to do you know if you can do this or you can do that you know let's let's it's like so you you want you know and what you have to do is kind of tell yourself in your mind it is about the quit man it is about part of me is like it is about the money and it is about establishing this thing because in in hollywood like no other place it's there everybody's a heat-seeking missile man you're up one minute that's why i've never ever tripped out about the the moments I'm down, I treat the same as the moments I'm up. You know, right. it's like I had a, I did a I did a, a pilot called Those Who Kill for A and E, that I thought was great. But I got in a huge fight with Fox, huge fight with them, to the point where the guy that ran the t- television department said that guy will never work at the studio again. Right. Sure. Four months later, I do the blacklist pilot and it tests through the roof. The same guy wants to give me a deal at Fox. Wow. Right. But that's that's how yeah, these things swing. So you can't take them personally. You can't. But you have to be smart about it, man. It's like, 
I got to do this because I have to do, I have to reestablish whatever that is. And also, man, it's like, listen, making a big movie is fun. And if I hadn't written a script for Bad Boys 3, it may have been a different story. But writing the script is allowing you to put yourself into it. So it's easier to say, all right, is it the ideal thing? There's nothing that's ideal anymore. You know what I mean? It's like you just have to do the movie that makes sense to you and that you love in that moment and not, you can't overthink it. And there are guys like, Chris Nolan can do whatever the hell he wants. Quentin Tarantino can do whatever the hell he wants. Smart Scorsese can do whatever the hell he wants. I ain't the guy that can do whatever the hell I want. Unless I want to do TV. TV, I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean it's the right, you know, it's, it's, you got to be shrewd. And I think for a long time, I wasn't shrewd. I was just like, yeah, I'll do that. It sounds fun. It can't just be about fun. Do you get motivated by Oscar winning the Oscar? No, brother. I don't give a shit. If I ever get an Oscar, <laughs> someone would be wrong. Honestly, like, really? no, you know, I just don't, I mean, I, I think, uh, I, I, I just think it's the, you know, not that it's the worst. Listen, I get you got to have awards and yeah. people, but you know what it is? Hollywood likes to come out and pat itself in the back and tell everybody how great it is. Right. And, and there's been Oscar winners. I thought, how the fuck did that win best picture? How did this guy get that? Oh, come on, man. That yeah. wasn't the best performance. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, it's all subjective. You can't really, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if it happens, I'll be the first one to whore out and go, oh, I'm going to get my tuxedo. And I'm gonna go. You know what I mean? I'll be the first guy, you know what I mean, that rolls over. But, but it seems to me like because you, you have a down-to-earth approach and you, it seems to me like your motivation comes from having pride in your work. And, Absolutely. And, and creating like your, your legacy and your catalog well, yeah. and being proud, being proud being of it. Being proud of that. And then yeah. the success and the financial side of it is... Is I guess like the perk or the the offshoot. it's a byproduct of, of yeah. But like listen, on like on something like Stretch, I just spent sixty thousand dollars of my own money to finish that movie because wow. they didn't want to give me any more money, and I'm not going to let that film go out less than what it should be yeah. because and just be like oh whatever that one. I just, it's just it, that's just what Glenn said. That to me is much more important. Having pride in the things you do, and if you get lucky and it's the you know because I, I do I have a very I don't. Man, I don't take any of this for granted. I work for I worked I moved furniture for eight years, man. I'm never that far from that experience. It sounds silly, but I'm never that far from that experience. It's like that's why I don't take any of this shit for granted. It's like it's a it's a house in Maryland, but it's fantastic. I know how cool it's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, but I work my ass off for it. Right. You know what I mean? It's not the biggest place. It's not this. You know what I mean? It's not like this palatial whatever the hell. It's not like I'm a sultan in, in the Middle East or. But it's like, but I work my ass off. Nobody nobody handed it to yeah. me. That's so, what I was, I was gonna. See a question that I ask all my guests because most, of, well, nearly all the guests I've had on is being successful. Have you got a secret to success? Is there advice that you can give someone to the success? I think everything uh, comes down to your ability to outwork the next guy, and, and I mean outwork, and, and no matter what you do, it's like listening to Holly Holm last night talk about that knockout. It's like when I was on my fifth workout of the day and I thought I shouldn't go, I went. And yeah. I think that's all the difference, man. And it's like, as I said earlier, it's like I've never considered myself the smartest guy or the most talented guy, but I'll bust, I'll work with anybody, anytime, anywhere, man. I'll run a race with anybody, anywhere. Yeah. Because it, at, at some point, all everything dissolves, everything falls away, and it's just you and this thing and how long are you going to stay on that and how hard are you going to work that. And I think that, to me, has made all the difference. It doesn't. You don't need to be blessed with anything other than this determination just to do it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Because unlike an athlete where, you know, 35 and you, you blow your knee out and you're shot, when you're an artist, you can keep going, man, and you right. can get better and better and better. And to me, that's also the, the, the great, a great perk about it is, like, that feeling like I'm not at the end of my – you know what I mean? Yeah. There's still more out there. So I think – 
more than anything, man, it's just it's just hard work, and I mean that in the most basic way. You just have to bust your ass. Yeah. And when you're, and I remember being young, like my friends would be out partying, going, drinking beer on the weekends, and having a good time. When I'd sit and push myself through this process, and not, it wasn't fun a lot of the times, but I knew it was necessary because I know my pension to be, I could be lazy and sit back and, and I knew that about myself. And it's like, you gotta, you you have to combat that at all times, you know? That's brilliant. No quality, that really good. Uh, so we we, we, we didn't talk about homemade porn, but dude, I wanted <laughs> <Yeah>. to get. <laughs> so what I was going to leave it with, we I've, I've told you this when I first met you. We we get a lot of TV people in the gym, directors, producers, uh, we actors, actors, and everyone who I've spoken to about you, of all, there's not one of them got a bad word. That's to great. To, no, everyone really... says Joe, he's a great guy. Uh, he's very talented, and. Uh, so I could find you a couple who would say I was a con. I bet I'm just glad they don't go into the gym. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad. <laughs> so I'd just like to thank you, mate, for coming oh, on the brother, podcast. My pleasure. Inviting us to your beautiful house. Thank you so much. And your wife and, uh, and being here today. It's been great. And if anyone wants to follow you on Twitter and see your crazy tweets, it's Carnahon. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Carno Joe. C-A-R-N-O. Oh, wait, wait. C-A-R-N. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, we, we've been drinking a little Jameson. <laughs> Carno Joe at. Uh, yeah, that's my handle. Call it Joe. Yeah, yeah. I need more followers, so yeah, get on there. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Joe, and uh, thanks, fellas. Thanks, thanks for listening. Joe. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And see you next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. I know Glenn loved it as well. Joe Carnahan, what a guy! This is why I love doing these podcasts. Speaking to people like Joe, who's so successful, very, very humble at the same time. He invited us to his beautiful house in Malibu, took me, Glenn, my wife, his wife and my daughter, took us all for lunch after, and just a, a, a great, great all-round bloke. Remember, we are now on Instagram, Box and Life, at Box and Life, so go along there, follow us on there, and go to my website, TonyJeffries.com, and subscribe to my email list for my monthly emails even though in the last six months i think i've only sent three emails out <laughs> but go along and you will get a first email the automatic email sent here talking about networking again thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed it please do not forget to subscribe on itunes and then every time i upload it, a podcast which is every two to three weeks you will get a notification that i've uploaded one see you later